0: Seems like a long time, doesn't it, eco
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, time does fly, but uh, yeah, I think it's been a while since we've done one of these.
0: Yeah. I I hope we have some some new topics. I was thinking back to the the last few topics we did, and it was all about the Olympics, and uh, all about COVID. And I think we do have some of that, but not exclusively. So hopefully, we'll mix and match a little bit better this time. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. No, I, I'm getting. Uh, I, I I'm very glad that we have, I mean, COVID unfortunately still is part of life, but uh, yeah, I'm kind of glad to be moving past the Olympics at this point.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's uh Paralympics has just just finished and right. the vaccinations seem to be increasing. Um yep. maybe one item that I could I could talk about at first is about how the vaccination rollout was really slow. I found that really interesting. Um but before that, let's just mention about our giveaway today. Yes. Very exciting. The awesome.
1: We, I mean, the currently the most in-demand thing for all people who love all things Japan. The the most uh, hot item on the internet right now. These. I mean, <laughs> it's just. Uh, I mean, how could you not want?
0: Yeah, right. And I thought of all the things sucks. to high get right in there with the trend. It's something useful. Hopefully, you can use for a long time. So, if you are interested, I'm wearing them right now.
1: I mean, they are, they these are high quality. These are surprisingly, I mean, like everyone's saying, you put them on, they are, they're surprisingly, oh, these are nice. You know, I mean, they're very simple, they're very simple item, but they're, 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 they are great.
0: Yeah. And it's getting to be that time
1: of year in the Northern Hemisphere that, you know, you need socks. Yeah, and you had
0: a you had a funny story how you ended up buying yours and I do as well because I was taking my daughter to school and she said, Oh no, I forgot my socks and it was raining really hard and so I pulled over to the convenience store And uh, so I had to go in and get her some socks. It happened to be Family Mart. And I thought, why not get socks for myself? It was a bit chilly that day. So I ended up getting a pair. And like you, I was very impressed. They're very comfortable, good socks. And then on your last uh, news stream last Sunday, a lot of your people engaging were asking about them outside Japan and uh, we can get them in Japan, but maybe difficult outside. So I thought, what a good giveaway.
1: Yeah. Well, for all the people who love Japan and wish they were here or whatever for something that's relatively simple. You know and and easy to get but you have to be you have to be somewhere where there's a japanese family mart yeah i could understand for the people who are pining for japan it's 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 a hot item so uh you know we're happy to help meet that demand i mean so the thing for me was it was actually much more straightforward just straight up peer pressure i just started noticing on instagram and on on twitter people who i follow one by one were saying that they'd caved in and bought a peer and i i just started to feel the pressure and i must admit uh, you know um I walked up to my local family mart and I checked do they have them uh, and they did and I was okay they've got them I'm not going to buy them I'm going to go home and then I saw more posts about more people getting them and then I thought then someone said that I have to go to the convenience store for something for something else and I realized okay you know what I have to buy something else anyway I'm going to get some ramen and some socks you know. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, it was pretty straightforward.
0: Oh, that's awesome. Well, it looks like uh, Jude from YouTube has joined and said, Hi from Canada, we always need socks here. Lol. (laughs) All right, Jude, you are the first person. I'm going to write your name on this piece of paper and you have a chance to win later. So if anybody wants to enter our socks giveaway, just write a comment about socks and we'll put you in the giveaway. (laughs) How's that sound? I think it
1: sounds like a good deal.
0: Yeah, a, fo- a podcast focusing on these socks. See, yep. it's, it's something that everybody wants.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it's it's better than focusing on expensive whiskey or, uh, you know, there, there are things like cars and first-class travel. There are various, you know, I, 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 lately I've gotten into watching YouTube channels about uh, like, like first-class air travel, but, you know, I think socks are a good level for something that's easy to participate in.
0: All right. Uh, oh, we've got uh, Mitchell says he's in. So Mitchell Atlas, you are also yeah. on and anybody who wins, you're just going to have to DM-, DM me later and I will send it to you no matter where you are. How's that? All
1: right. So look at good
0: deal. <laughs> uh, before we start, I just wanted to give a shout out to the Bobby Judo and Ollie Horn at Japan by River Cruise. They did a ba- great episode today uh, with Selena Hoy about World Suicide Prevention Day. It's a very serious topic, but there is an organization in Japan called Tell to Tokyo English Lifeline and they do a fantastic service, multilingual, multicultural online counseling, which is anonymous for anyone who wants to talk. And they're doing a fundraiser from today, which is World Suicide Prevention Day until the 10th of October. So definitely have a look on their website, sign up to do 21,081 steps sometime within this month. And that number is significant because that's the number of people that took their life last year. So it's, it's should be zero, right? It's, it's something that we should all be thinking about and supporting people to talk about and try to find help. It's a mental health is really important issue, especially now during COVID, right?
1: Yeah no indeed. I mean it's uh, it's famous as a as a big problem in Japan to begin with but um yeah you know there is this thing for particularly the what the service that tel provides um you know Japan is uh, exciting but you know you go people who come to Japan one there's this roller coaster that people go through of experiencing the place and it is a roller coaster without a safety net and really without a roller coaster, at times, there's, you know, um, it can be, it can suddenly be very, very tough. And, and and definitely there's a lot of people who struggle and they, you know, you're away from your family and your, your friends that you grew up with. And, uh, you know, they've got the language barrier and everything else. So it makes every, it makes more problems bigger for people. And it's nice to know that there are services out there that uh, are accessible, that can help with this sort of thing. So um, yeah, no, great, great by Bobby Judo, um, focusing on that on the podcast today.
0: Yeah, really good. Great to to hear about that today. Um, Richard Howerton, thank you. You are in the draw magic straw maker. You are in the draw. Thank you very much. Anybody else who wants a pair of socks and wants to enter the giveaway, just uh, write something about socks in the comments and I'll put you in. (laughs) All right. Uh, So we talked about World Suicide Prevention Day. Definitely check out TEL, Tokyo English Lifeline and uh, listen to Japan by River Cruise podcast if you want to hear more of that discussion. Um, What should we start with? Oh, Hiko, you had a great tweet about the vaccination period being limited or minimalized from two weeks down to 10 days. That's good news.
1: Uh, You mean the quarantine period?
0: Quarantine period, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So my understanding of this uh, and I'm guilty of, you know, skimming headlines and sharing. But, yeah, my understanding is is that for um, business travelers at the moment, so it's a really small, limited group. But right now, if you're a business traveler and you get exceptional permission to come into Japan, you're required to stay in your hotel or your home. They don't have dedicated, like, quarantine hotels like they do in some other countries. Um, but you're required to, like, stick to your place, your destination for 14 days Uh, And this is for Japanese people as well as, uh, you know, uh, foreign visitors. In fact, I think it's nearly entirely actually applying to Japanese travelers right now, people coming back into the country. They have to self-isolate at home for 14 days. Um, They are now saying that if you have um, recognized vaccinations, which really are only vaccinations used in developed countries like Moderna, Pfizer, AstraZeneca, they're not recognizing Sinovac or Sputnik or those sorts of vaccines. But yeah, if you have those, you get four days less on the quarantine period. Um, It's a baby step. But it's a clear baby step in the direction towards just loosening the controls and I think gradually, hopefully, sort of starting to open up more ways to get into Japan. But um, yeah, I have uh, less for, you know, four days saved on having to stay at home is a very small thing. But hopefully it's a step towards, you know, people who have been waiting all of this time to get into Japan. It's a small step towards, you know, slowly letting more people in.
0: Yeah, and it's, of course, the Japan travel ban is is connected. But for people who can get back into the country, anybody who has to travel right now uh, or is traveling for vacation, it is very difficult and very expensive. Even if you're allowed back in, you have to jump over so many hurdles. Um, what was Tronic was talking about, uh, he knows a few people who had to pay an excess of 150,000 yen so that's wow. like $1,500 on top of all your ticket and everything just to do the testing and and all the requirements of staying in a hotel or extra you need a special taxi or rent a car or something so there's a lot of added expense if you're if you're going to travel right now it's yeah. not something i would wish of course some people don't have a choice they have to go abroad yeah. for whatever reason right
1: And I think right now it is really limited to business travel. I mean, you hear about sports players, and I think some bands were let in for some concerts recently and so on. So you hear about these exceptions that outrage everybody. But it's, yeah, basically business people who are Japanese business people who are based abroad wanting to come home. And for them, yeah, staying at home for 14 days is probably, you know, doable. But really for traveling to Japan as a foreigner, it's still pretty much impossible. Um, But yeah, um, I am. Unless you're in the Olympics. <laughs> That's where I'm coming to. Yeah, that, you know, part of part of that was, you know, that the, the Olympics were trying to maintain capacity for the hundred thousand plus visitors associated with the Olympics who are coming in, and you know, immigration was just overwhelmed focusing on that. So now that those people have mostly, I think, gone, um, the hope is they'll start converting that capacity into capacity to start re-welcoming foreigners. And they're clearly still setting everything up, but you know, this this is a sign that they're going to start recognizing uh, something like a vaccine passport that you know, they'll perhaps allow entry if you're appropriately vaccinated and you've got proof, and they'll set up a quarantine. But, but again, this is Japan. It'll happen slowly. I, I don't think it's really going to happen until next year. But I think yeah. you can start to see them sort of creaking the door open for small groups, probably starting with business travelers and hopefully moving towards students and working visa people who have been waiting for you know 18 months, more, more than 18 months now. Hopefully, yeah. those people will start to get uh, avenues into Japan in the next few months
0: definitely uh louise you have been entered into the sex draw thank you for your sucks, socks, socks uh comment there uh, magic Strawmaker. you had a great question is there any talk on a travel bubble that japan can have with an asian country now this happened between new zealand and australia for a while Briefly. i don't know if they're still doing it now yeah um, just like
1: a, a week after they set it up it kind of yeah. fell apart cases started popping up um
0: and I then Hawaii, Hawaii said that they would accept Japanese travelers without a vaccination period, but they quickly stopped that as well. So I think the travel bubbles, it's really difficult until we get vaccinations up to a higher percentage, maybe.
1: Yeah, I think... Right now I mean Singapore is, is is probably got the best shot at it and they they they're being very strict with how they're locking down and trying to control it and but there again it has to be mutual as well and this is the thing someone's always doing better than the other person <laughs> um it, it's really rare that both are doing well at the same time and they're both confident enough to to share the borders but um you know again I can sort of imagine progress around this um, it's something I think Japan has said yeah we won't consider travel bubbles with anyone except like New Zealand and Australia And then New Zealand, Australia turned around and said, no way we'd, (laughs) look at Japan, look at all the cases you want, no way we'd do that. So, you know, it's always the person who's doing better is kind of like uh, not looking well at the others. But yeah, I think the hope is once you get a lot of countries with something like 80, 90% vaccinated and so on, and cases are down, or at least serious cases are down, um, that sort of thing should become possible. And that sort of thing should start to be again, I think happening, hopefully at the start of next year. So we'll see. I'm optimistic. I mean, it has to.
0: Yeah, I am showing uh, this article now from Kyoto journal, um, talking about uh, when Japan is going to open up and everyone's just kind of guessing right now. Um, What's your estimate? I'm thinking spring next year, it might open up for travelers. It might open up for students again before the spring semester starts after the break. I don't think it's going to open up any sooner. I, I kind of hope it would, but I don't think so.
1: Yeah. I don't. Know. I mean, it's all guessing, but I think it'll be, whatever it is, it'll be staggered. And so I think they'll go for, you know, high priority, small manageable groups first. So it'll be things like, you know, business trips, you know, and so on, I think first. And then what will they do after? I, th- I think that probably, you know, working visas and residents should be prioritized over students and tourists. I think the sequence would probably, and, and by volume as well. Well, I'm not sure if, if actually, which would be the smaller group, students or, or visas, but I imagine whichever is the smaller, they'd probably, but you know what, there's so many people, again, working visas who are basically, those are a form of residence visas. I mean, sort yeah. of student visas, but who do you let in first? I don't think they'll have the capacity to do it all at once, but I, I think you're right. I think it'll be through, probably there'll be limited travel starting at the, around the end of the year for business travelers and so on. And I imagine yeah. all going well. January, February, they'll, they'll 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 keep opening it up. But I, I can't imagine tourism happening even in the first half of next year. But uh, hopefully, yeah, we, we could be in a position that students can come in, vaccinated students, you know, can yeah. come in with a quarantine period, hopefully, yeah, the first half of next year sometime. Yeah, I think spring is realistic.
0: Yeah. That's something that I don't think is happening yet in Japan. There are no mandates about vaccinations yet in japan like you're seeing in america certain companies are saying everybody has to be vaccinated or certain uh, industries are doing it certain airlines but not in japan yet once that starts happening uh once we have enough vaccine that's the first hurdle um that might happen and then the vaccination rates would go up as well right uh, somebody's yeah. asking, what is the giveaway? It is these wonderful, very useful Family Mars socks. So, Family Mart socks. Very, very convenient. Yes. And if yeah, you want to win, just write uh, socks anywhere in your comment or question, and you will be entered for the draw at the end. <laughs> okay. Sorry, uh, you were saying?
1: yeah yeah so japan has this thing where this, for the same reason japan can't have a lockdown there is a pretty much a consensus that they can't you can't have mandates um you can't force people it's all very quasi. There's like you really, really should wear a mask, and you really, really should be vaccinated. But they, they're, they're not going to arrest anybody. Like in Australia, and New Zealand, police will arrest people not wearing masks and so on, or traveling more than five kilometers from their home. Um, Japan, that's unimaginable, and that's because Japan has a pretty dark history with fascism that you know is, is sealed off in the constitution, so they won't go anywhere near that anymore. No one wants to even test it. Um, what the government is saying though right now is when they announced yesterday that they would be how they would lift the state of emergencies that are on, like, 19 prefectures at the moment. Um, they announced that there will be, right now, you can get a big A4-size paper vaccine passport, proof of your vaccination status in Japan, but they're going to prepare a digital version of that, which you can have a, on a mobile size? phone in December. Yeah. It's A4-size.
0: That,
1: that's uh, so, so yeah. big. It's <laughs> enormous. It's enormous. Yeah. It's, it's pretty hard. It was, it's pretty uncool to have to unfold it and, and, yeah. and to flash it at people. But it will be on a mobile phone in December. And and what the government is suggesting is, rather than making it mandatory, they're going to make it more like a privilege. They're going to make they're going to continue the ban on, for example, izakayas, you know, uh, serving alcohol, except to uh, people with proof of vaccination. So rather than making, so it's kind of flipping it around. Rather than making yeah. it mandatory, to May, have a vaccine to get into a bar,
0: carrot instead of a stick.
1: Right? yeah it'll be a, it'll be a privi- it'll be privileged privileges for vaccinated people as an incentive so so i think which i like actually i yeah. i, I, I it is very tempting to get into you must do as i say
0: no no i uh, a lot I think of people often, demand often the it, but, carrot uh, works better yeah
1: yeah um but i can see but, so you know they're talking about kind of yes uh the other way around but certainly using vaccination status as a as a way to open up movie theaters karaoke bars and and certainly i think it'll be used for travel and stuff like that um So as a condition for, you know, as a precondition for being able to more loosely, um, you know, end end the restrictions. So that makes good sense to me. And it is something as well. I've worked with Japanese sort of policymakers for a long time, and they are slow and they take too long. But... They are very thorough, and they really do research what's going on in other countries and what's working and not working. Uh, yeah. They can always be criticized. They're not necessarily very innovative a lot of the time, and they take a lot of time. But I think these these ideas are being well thought through, and they're being based on what's working in other places. So, yeah, yeah. Again, it'll take time. It'll be too slow, but I, it, it'll happen.
0: Yeah um abel says from youtube i live in Yokosuka. i've not seen anyone without a mask since march (laughs) and and me too i don't see anyone out without a mask and i hear my american family is saying uh, you know people are being more lax now a lot of people walking without masks in hawaii almost everybody is wearing a mask we have very similar culture to japan maybe that people Mm -hmm. were wearing it anyway during flu season and stuff um, the whole vaccine rollout in Japan being slower, the recent news that came out about why um, Japan's vaccine rollout was slower, because they insisted on domestic trials. Even though they did have 100 Japanese nationals in the American trials, they decided to redo it in Japan. And did you hear the reason why they did that, Hiko?
1: Yeah, the bi- biological differences based on race. Which No, when I no. Started-
0: no, they said it was because of a diet.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, because
0: the diet would be different in Japan. And I then mean, and then Rachel Kopp and I were saying, how do they know the Japanese in America weren't eating a more traditional Japanese diet than the Japanese in Japan? I mean, how do they know, right? Exactly what people are eating.
1: Yeah. And again, I have a tendency to be more, it's okay, isn't it? Kind of in my reaction. And, and to the extent that, it was understandably urgently pushed through, but to the extent that Japan was like, "Hey, let's just make extra sure it's safe," to me, I thought was kind of like, I, "I can hold on for you know one or two more months if that's what it takes." And remember, it wasn't just the testing; it was also this. There was a supply issue. They just didn't, didn't get them until after Europe and America had taken their 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 lot. And Japan was like first in line of the countries not producing the vaccines. You know, we got them ahead of Australia and New Zealand and the other countries that also are in the same position. Um, but yeah, but at the same time, I must admit this thing about the, the need to test, I, I, you're right, the diet thing is silly, and I didn't realize that there were Japan nationals in the US, but I was originally scoffing at the idea that, oh, they need to test, like somehow Japanese are biologically different to the rest of humanity. I was scoffing at that, but then some people who actually do this, like for a living, you know, who actually do, run these trials were responding to me on Twitter and saying, oh, no no, no, it's actually a thing. And there is this huge problem with, um, with in, in the U.S. There's a problem that you know drug trials are overwhelmingly done on white men, and minorities and women are not, you know, tested. And it turns out that there are medicines which have different, very different impacts on women sometimes, um, and you know, and, and those side effects are dismissed, you know, because but they weren't, they weren't factored in. And there are bio, apparently there are, you know, biological variations, and there is justification for that, which surprised me. But um, yeah, the diet thing. um, Yeah, that's that's a little bit much. But look, making sure it's safe. I'm okay. I'm glad, you know, uh,
0: making sure it's safe is fine. But there were you know, there was a lot of concern. There were people that died during that time. So that's that's a real judgment call to delay it um, that way. And it was a real shock that it was because of diet. That was a bit shocking um but the vaccine czar of course is in the news because he may be the next leader of japan yeah. Kono, right? should we talk yeah. about the leadership race that's a big Certainly. news
1: uh, yeah actually i mean it, it, it's so horrible it's, it's so japan well first out including that thing we talked about just now. No policies get decided, almost zero, like, like less than 5% actually get decided by lawmakers in Japan. There's a big faceless bureaucracy that is, is, has tenure for life. They never change, even if the government changes, and they decide everything. So honestly, it's just a bit of theater what happens in the politics and the elections, honestly. But it is extra depressing when you find out that we, we're going to have a national election in November, but yet the most influential election, honestly, just the way the polls are going, It seems like the most influential election in japan is going to be the internal party election of the ldp which no one can vote in (laughs) and it's going to be the lawmakers and local chapter members deciding out of these three candidates and i admit myself i find the candidates and everything kind of interesting and i think maybe more interesting honestly the opposition has trouble i don't know why they fail so badly to make themselves interesting this is super interesting even though nobody really can vote it's like everyone's treating this like it's a real election when it's really. (laughs) it's like it's like a a rotary club vote but um yeah it is super it it is an interesting time
0: so what do we know about these three candidates uh i was reading of course taro kono is uh touted as the social media guy that he's very (laughs) good at social media is that true
1: well it's a pretty low bar i think that he's starting from um (laughs) Yeah, but, I mean, but
0: he was in charge of the vaccine rollout. Now the vaccine rollout is going very well. Uh, over 58% of the Japan population is now vaccinated with the second dose. Is that right? Yeah, so I, I think so. I
1: mean, going at a city, 1.2 million doses a day. Um, yeah, yeah, it's going pretty well right now. I, I, so he my,
0: seems to be the favorite, maybe on the back of that vaccine rollout success. Not do you just think?
1: that. Um, so in a way, there was this funny thing, he's always been this kind of perceived rival for Suga, and you felt like Suga was giving him roles deliberately that you know people are highly likely to fail in, and he was kind of like annoying everyone by not doing badly at them. So he was the foreign minister, and he did was kind of doing quite well at that, and so they moved him into administrative reform, like the hardest job in government, telling the bureaucrats what to do. And you know he did this big campaign that got a lot of attention about telling everyone to stop using faxes and hand calls. And the 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 rage that he inspired from the bureaucracy is still coming out in the media. You know they talk about he's a he's a bully and whatever. But you know the idea of a politician controlling the government is just outrageous to the Japanese bureaucracy. And he really did do that. And again. So then that was working and he was getting a lot of uh, positive attention that he was forcing the government to stop, you know, ridiculous paperwork processes. So they put him in charge of the vaccine rollout, which either he does it well and Suga looks good, or he does it badly and then he's less of a rival to Suga. So it looked like a win-win. But, you know, and he came in late. He came in after the, you know, um, he wasn't in charge of the, 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 the pandemic response. He was just put in charge of the vaccine distribution. And this was kind of at a point where Japan didn't have any vaccines in the beginning. Uh, And we're starting from late and from zero, but um, yeah, he's come in, and it it appears. I mean, you can always complain; you can always say it should have been faster, you know, should have been better, and nothing's ever perfect. But I'd say right now, it does look like the whole country is on track. That everyone who wants to be vaccinated will be vaccinated by eleven by by November. So, yeah, he seems to have done. Again, with this, he's just a very activist, energetic person who seems to be quite good at uh, hustling to get things done. By the way, his his, dad is really interesting.
0: The youngest of the three um who are the favorite candidates He's the 50 54 uh, 58 uh yeah. kishida is 65 takaichi is uh, late 50s i think she's a little bit older than kono-san but of course we okay. don't want to talk about a woman's age but we always do in japan no matter what right oh. <laughs>
1: That's a form yeah. of a form of equality. But one thing about Kono <laughs> as well, though, his dad is 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 really famous for the Kono statement. Um, one of the very few times so his dad was not in the well, I think I don't know the, the full story of his dad, but his dad was a socialist prime minister who actually did this huge apo- he he's the guy who acknowledged the comfort woman issue and gave the first acknowledgement and apology for it to Korea. Um so also, I mean, a lot of these people come from these dynasties, but the, the Kono name is actually attached to his dad in a really liberal, so, sort of famous socialist way. So kind of interesting that he's a rising LDP star, you know, as the son. I don't know what they talk about over dinner. But yeah, um, yeah really interesting.
0: Yeah, I, I read a few articles about that and saying that he is much more conservative than his dad. Oh, but yeah. having having that legacy is is very interesting. Now, yeah. speaking of socialism, Kishida's one of Kishida's uh, policies is very kind of socialist leaning. He talks about wanting to decrease the the wage gap or the the poverty wealth gap and to fund more uh, social equity programs like daycare and education and child care allowance and that kind of thing, Uh, Mm -hmm. which wouldn't be a bad thing. There's a lot we've seen during COVID, a lot more women than men have insecure incomes because they're on temporary contracts, especially working mothers, increase in suicide rates even for more women um than men so it doesn't sound bad in terms of sustainability i was happy to see that i don't know if he's serious about following through that seems different from the party line but we'll see
1: yeah yeah so again i i kind of so kishida is just a straight you know um wanting the job, you know, in a faction, and, and seems like a nice enough guy, um, and, and whatever. But, you know, um, the, the thing that frustrates me about all Japanese politics, including domestic and in the election, I, but, but you know, in, in this case, within the party, when you ask for their policies, you know, their policy is, you know, uh, you know, heartful feeling for one another, or, or whatever, there's no policy, you know, um, and, and it's always been, a Japanese government. <laughs> uh,
0: Sorry, my cat really likes politics. She oh, really I can wants tell. Yeah, yeah, good, good yeah. taste.
1: <laughs> no, so <laughs> one thing about Japan. I mean, like, for 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 a country that's been run by a right wing party for basically seventy years, um, it's not really a right wing party the way that you'd think about right wing parties in you know most other you know Western countries. Um, it's always been a goal like. For example, you know, since the whole, I think they realized after the war that there was such inequality and, you know, there was there was an aristocracy in Japan at the end of the war that was dismantled. And there were these landowners and these basically, you know, sort of almost serf level people. And the government actually set about, you know, redistributing land, you know, they have this huge inheritance tax that was used to sort of redistribute wealth in the society in a really aggressive way. Um, basically the wealthier you were, you know, you would you would lose everything and you'd have to pay in tax 70% of the value of all the assets that you had at the time that you died, which would bankrupt all of these rich families, and that would go into taxes that would be spent on public works projects to give jobs to regular folk. And the result of that is this was done under the LDP. Japan has, you take the top 10% and the bottom 10% of Japanese incomes. The gap, the wealth gap in Japan is among the lowest in, in developed countries. It's like uh four times. And this has been a consistent both goal of the um, bureaucracy and of the LDP, and the idea is is that you know by having social stability and not having a huge wealth gap, it, it'll promote you know contentment and reelecting of the you know and, and letting the, the government do other things. So it's always been, it doesn't sound very right wing or conservative, but in Japan it is conservative to want to promote social stability through you know addressing wealth inequality, and you know they do that in all sorts of ways. So it's not inconsistent, but you know to the extent that and but in the end of the day, he's just setting a theme. For what he wants to emphasize in terms of policies, but most of these policies, you know, things like promoting, uh, at, you know, um, um, daycare and stuff like that, these are things that you know, quietly bureaucrats have been working away on and have been, you know, consistent policy things anyway. And there's been quiet improvement in these areas when these things were really highlighted as a big problem about six or seven years ago. I mean, the, yeah. the 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 daycare issue was partly what brought down the LDP when they got voted out, and the Democrats came in, was dissatisfaction over that, and you know, it's the bureaucracy that reacts to that. So he's kind of setting these platitudinal sort of themes, but honestly, they're kind of being done anyway. It's just a matter of yeah. emphasis and tone. Well, that's and it's a nice that's tone. very
0: clever yeah. politics, isn't it? You see that all over the world. I uh, really want to do this and then quiet behind the scenes. It's already happening and they can take credit for that. absolutely. Very clever. And now, I. I that
1: more I don't money know, will go into those things. But yeah. yeah,
0: I don't know hardly anything about Takaichi-san. <sighs> Um, do you? It seems like she yeah, I follows wish I did. the party line. Uh, she, uh, f- you know, is supporter of Abe's policies. That's pretty much any candidate here. They, yeah. they follow Abe's policies, right?
1: So yeah, I'm I'm not as 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 all out against her as a lot of people in the Gaijin Twitter world are. Um, there are photos of her with neo Nazis, but honestly, neo Nazis can walk into a walk into a politician's office and take a photo, and you know, and, and just for a photo, I'm, I'm not going to brand her on that sort of thing. But that said, um, and, and also let, let's acknowledge. Um, Japan, you know, I think that the symbolism uh, and, and desperate need Japan, 122nd on the global gender equality ranking a scale, which doesn't include every country, I think it only includes like 170 countries, but pretty, pretty far down the list. Um, so, you know, the symbolism of finally having a, a woman prime minister, and from a party that has less than 10% uh, women among representatives in parliament, I mean, the lowest, uh, the lowest woman female representation rate in parliament of any party is in the LDP. So the idea that one of those very, very few women could get into the top role, and the party's been deliberately trying to develop. Clearly, they've been placing women in cabinet to put them, to position them to be able to, you know, go for the a prime minister role. So I think for all of those things, and look, Takaichi, particularly as she's received that extra responsibility, and she's been put in charge of the Ministry of General Affairs, one of the biggest and most important ministries, she's uh she's mellowed out a lot she's become very um she's become a voice for lgbt i think equality issues um and she's been a voice for part you know for women sort of again the daycare issue and so on which she really wasn't before and i think there is this pressure when you're in a party like the ldp as a woman to sort of you know try to outdo the men a little bit and and, and try not to be you know too balanced and she's she's come around on that as has seiko Noda, who might also be another candidate
0: mm-hmm. but yeah i you know, read before... that uh san might also be a candidate. But it it sounds like it's kind of narrowed down to these three Uh, recently.
1: I think Takaichi is really going to make her uh, one of the main candidates. And some polls actually have her ahead of everybody. Um, Wow. But the thing is, uh, but her, it's
0: it's absolutely like you said, even to be one of the top three candidates as a female, it's kind of it's just nice to see that happen in it's Japanese progress. politics. Yeah. It's and it's progress. also
1: strategic. Even if she doesn't have a go this time, say say that Kono gets in and he's a disaster. Everyone's gonna say, Oh, we should have voted for Take Takaichi. It's gonna position her great for the next run in any case. So just having a good showing, I think, is gonna actually really boost and endorse her position. The only thing about Takaichi is is, you know, just as a person, you know, forgetting, forgetting the, the wonderful symbolism of a woman finally getting into this position, which is great, um, you know, uh, she really was, you know, really far right and, and nationalist and aggressive and, you know, like anti-foreigner and kind of, you know, um, she, she aligned herself with a lot of <laughs> pretty, I considered, fruit loop far right. I mean, she was on the fringe. She was like the Tea Party Let's have a war with China, fringe of the LDP, for a long time. Um, And and she was the one that often would get wheeled out to represent the most extreme, sort of extremist views within the party uh, as the voice. And and it was good for her profile, and I think this is partly why Abe is supporting her, Um, because she's that champion. She goes to Yasukuni every year, and she's not sorry. And you know what? It's highly likely that as prime minister she would go to Yasukuni and she wouldn't mind the outrage that would cause. So, you know, um, she has setting aside whether that's a good thing or not or whatever but but the point is i mean i think she's become a she's she certainly mellowed out a lot but just to be clear you know we shouldn't just look at her gender when we look at this she is uh, you know she's gotten to where she is being very very far right you know within this group uh she has not never been mainstream until now although she's kind of moved into the center more recently i think she's become more palatable but she used to be in the news all the time for the wrong reasons like up until about 10 years ago
0: yeah. Um so I, yeah I think, you know. I think public opinion matters right like um what what people are demonstrating against what groups are rallying against what people talk to uh the government as uh what do you call it lobbyists uh that does work in Japan like other countries it maybe is not as effective as you'd hope but um, hopefully people who do seem quite extreme and radical, they can be swayed by public opinion. So Absolutely. like you said, she's she's mellowed a lot in her policies. <laughs> so hopefully whoever is uh, elected into power will listen to the public and and look at what public need actually is and make policies that work uh, for the environment and society. That's always the hope. Right.
1: And good news about that as well. Right now, the 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 sugar cabinet has a seventy. You know, some polls show them a seventy percent disapproval rating. Um, yeah, you know, one of the least popular governments of all time, and they're two months, three months out from a national election. So what's happened is normally the the big kingpins within the party, the the heads of the factions, honestly, they decide, hey, I'm going to get all my vote, you know, all my block to vote for so and so. Um, and they can do that. But right now, all the young LDP members are so afraid that if they back the the wrong candidate, you know, uh, they back a candidate that's not popular, they're going to gonna lose their seats, effectively lose their jobs. And so they're all lobbying within their factions to not be, you know, forced to vote along with the factions. So, yeah, even within the LDP, that kind of um, people are so aware of the risk that the LDP is going to lose a lot of seats in the next election. They're really forcing them, they're really trying to force the leadership to make sure that um, they do pay attention to what, you know, what voters want and uh, that they choose a, a, a prime minister that's going to be, you know, acceptable in an election. So it's actually it's also a good sign, perhaps, that even in this non, non-election non election, people are actually really, they're, they're afraid enough about being held accountable that they are uh, actually, yeah, they're, they're actually really paying attention to what voters want right now. So it's a good sign.
0: Yeah, And under Suga's leadership, uh, he did make the aim for 2050 to be carbon neutral for Japan. He did yeah. make aims for 2030, which have already been met. So he did make progress in terms of sustainability targets and goals which Japan has been moving forward. So that's that's good. And hopefully whoever follows him will continue the progress and not take a step back.
1: <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I think these are, like I said before, these are things that the bureaucracy was already on it, you know, is on the, it's like a train on rails going towards anyway. They're doing these things anyway. And the politicians just get to take the credit for it. But at the same time, um, the reason Shinjiro Koizumi, uh, made a huge performance out of sort of crying at the news that he was resigning. Was he? He said that. Listen, you know, the signing up to these sort of international agreements and making these sort of big, big political commitments to supporting um, environmental policies, and you know, which was his ministry, uh, were things that you know other other prime ministers might not have done. Um, and he felt very, very appreciative. So I think it is you, you know he deserves some credit. I think for paying particular, being particularly supportive of environmental initiatives. Um. Even though, and I, and I hope that a change in prime minister won't affect that. But um, yeah, I think yeah. you can give him some credit. Certainly, there's there's continued to be slow, but you know, meaningful progress.
0: Yeah. Um, I think what it matters, right? It matters what policymakers are doing, what policymakers are are talking about, aiming towards that matters in terms of the public perception of sustainability or what the, the companies are doing as well, how the companies are being pushed. Now, you had interesting mm-hmm. tech news from Toyota. Do you want to talk yeah. about that?
1: Sure. Um, so... Yeah, no, Toyota announced the other day that they are basically, um, uh, I mean, they've been slow, obviously committing to pivoting towards EVs, uh, and they've got a huge, I mean basically, all of their suppliers for all of their internal combustion engine cars are basically the whole economy of IG and a lot of like places in America like Alabama and some states where they have plants. and they' they've they' they're having a lot of they're being very disrupted by companies like Tesla that don't have those supply chains to start with, and they've asked for extra time to convert over. and as re- as a result, Toyota has been seen as anti-EV. And they're trying to respond to that because, you know, obviously there's such a flow towards that. So, yeah, they did a big announcement that they are doing really huge investments in EV battery and car technologies, as well as previously announcing that they are going to be start launching from next year, I think, like a a ton of pure EV battery powered cars. Wasn't it
0: 15 that they said we're going to have 15 different types of EV? That's a huge shift from there. We're not doing EVs. We're only going to do hydrogen. Hydrogen is the way of the future or hybrids. And then I, all I of a sudden, we're going to do hundred percent yeah, EV electric cars, and that so that's that was a big change. But weren't weren't they kind of part of the pushback? Was it twenty thirty or 2020, yeah. they 2025? Said was, they said twenty thirty no was too soon. No and more they, cars without hybrid or electric or zero emissions, yeah. right?
1: So hydrogen they've just got like one demo car they're not they're not proposing I think to make any the more than eye. that at the moment they're just proving mm-hmm. the technology but what, what I think they wanted was to be able to there was this concern that with all of this hype going towards EVs that they were going to lose all the cred that they were getting uh, on these environmental sort of targets for their hybrid cars um which they were which they need to kind of keep making in a way because of their commitments to suppliers and so on so being told to go cold turkey on hybrids by by 2030 they were what they wanted. I think was uh, extension to keep making hybrids a little bit longer and getting credit for that, and to not have, not go all EV before that. And there is this irony because they've been making hybrid cars, you know, which have batteries and electric motors, you know, for longer, than, you know, longer than most. Yeah, they actually have know, a ton of patents. They have a ton of great huge. battery technology. It's just that they're not ready to switch over that fast, and they're asking yeah. for more time. And that's caused them a little bit unfairly, I think, to be portrayed as anti EV. But but clearly they've gotten the message, and they are scrambling.
0: Um, I mean, the effect that the Prius has had on the world car markets, you know, being the pioneer in, you know, lessening emissions of standard cars ages ago, uh, they deserve a lot of credit for that. So they are doing a lot of um, good things for sustainability. And it's actually leads very perfectly into my next topic about the company's perception. How do Japanese consumers think about uh, different companies in terms of how ethical or how good these companies are in terms of taking care of the environment or helping society? And Toyota is at the very, very top. Toyota, followed by Google, Apple, Uniqlo, Eon, Amazon, Suntory, Nissan, Muji, and then it goes down the list, and then yep. Patagonia is quite low down, so I think this is a very interesting result.
1: Hmm, it is, I, I guess, it, it, well, it's partly a sign of the way that they do their marketing, but um, as I mentioned to you before the show, one thing I used to do in one of my previous lives was I worked um, in one of these big kid ring companies uh, drafting their annual social uh, corporate social responsibility reports, which included a mix of environmental and corporate so- social responsibility. And lately, for investors, it, it's one of these things that um, companies, you know, when you want to attract investors, you've got to put out a CSR report, a corporate social responsibility report, you know, showcasing how socially aware you are. You know, like, it's one of the ways that a lot of now investment firms assess that, you know, the the... the Investability of companies. So a lot of companies have done a lot to drum up, you know, the sort of green initiatives that they're doing and appeal that way. And I, I guess that shows that those sort of efforts are going across well in Japan. I'm not really sure how Santori <laughs> or uh, you know or Apple are necessarily environmental. Come you know, like like leading environmental companies, but obviously they've been very good at getting their message across that what they are doing is making a difference. It's kind of it's well, very interesting this, that it came out it that way.
0: Kind of, yeah, it kind of reminds me of of why I became a consultant to help the smaller businesses uh use mm. what they are doing, which is good as a part of their branding, because the big companies are very good at talking about the tiny, maybe small thing that they're doing, but they talk about it as if it's a a core part of everything they do. So the the perception of a lot of big companies in Japan is they are more sustainable, I would say, than they actually are. Um, Mm. So this was a very interesting study by a company in Tokyo called Fabric, originally from London. Uh, James Hollow was interviewed on Japan Times under the Mm. sustainability uh, section that they have now. They interviewed 5,300 people between 18 and 65, and they wanted to find out what does sustainability mean to Japanese customers and to what extent do they care? And they had some very interesting results. Uh, 77% want to make an effort to reduce, reuse, repair, recycle, but 67% don't know how, are very frustrated, Um, Hmm. They also found almost 70 percent thought that uh, SDG targets and sustainability was completely separate and unrelated. So there's there's just a real lack of awareness, I think, in the Japanese public, much different from um, I would I haven't compared data. I would love to um, with other countries, but that seems to coincide with the impressions that i get when i talk to people about mm. their impressions of sustainability how do they choose products um but yeah a lot of really interesting results here
1: yeah i mean i guess when you talk with japanese people there i mean on the one hand there are there are there are aspects of japanese culture like uh you know two things that jump to mind are the whole sort of motana thing the idea of being sort of minimalist and so on in the in the first place a lot of paradoxes around that of course but there's that kind of, there's that thing there. And the, uh, I guess a lot of Japanese might equate sustainability to just being tidy. And then you've got the other thing where, um, uh, um, oh, I've dropped the thought for a moment. Oh, I hate
0: that. <laughs> um, <laughs> so wait anyway, a so, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, so, sorry, um, go ahead. Okay, so uh, another part of the, the results, um, somebody just mentioned, uh, Abel says she watched their presentation on Temple University's Japan's YouTube channel a few weeks ago. They They were just published in Japan Times, so this is kind of a new research that's just oh. become available. Um, Really interesting. The lowest engagement with sustainability. So people who uh, don't really think about sustainability at all in their day to day was most people. Sixty five percent. Thirty seven percent. Oh, sorry. I I said a higher number before. Thirty seven percent do not equate sustainability with SDG issues which of course is very related, but most people are very unaware. What do SDGs actually mean, right? Yeah. Um, the most shocking thing for me from the results was, um, let me just get through this and then I'll let you comment, Eco. sorry. Um, yeah. So they had of the most engaged people, the people who are really trying to be sustainable in their day-to-day was only 4% of all the people they talked to. Yeah. And 5% of the all the people they talked to were highly negative about sustainability and felt strong aversion to trying anything sustainable. So the wow. highly negative group was actually higher than the highly engaged group, which is really sad, but there's a lot of room to grow.
1: Well, <laughs> that's interesting. Well, look, so, sorry, the thought came back to me. I just blanked out okay, for a good. moment. Um, one there's another paradox, which is that um, there's this huge sort of social pressure, this group behavior. So this idea that you're supposed to separate your garbage and have recyclables out on a certain day, even though you know most of the recyclables are still sent to the incinerator in most wards in Japan. They just go through the um, motion. And to the extent, and, and brutally, right? There's nothing more brutal in Japanese culture than the social pressure around separation of garbage, right? Um, But it's almost like it's ritualized, right? It's not even connected actually to the end goal. And and frankly, you know, again, like the the fact that every train station in Japan has uh, separate sort of recycling bins where, you know, you put in your cans here and your bottles here, but they all go into the same thing because it's all put there for the day that they're able to actually process them. So people go through and actually rigidly socially enforce the rituals of doing things, probably not even really thinking about what it's for, just doing it and then being sort of rules. But at the same time, another thing about Japan is that it has, I think, the lowest, in, in OECD countries, among the lowest participation rates in volunteer groups and so on, which in countries like New Zealand and Australia, uh, uh, you know, very high rate. I mean, green, the highest Greenpeace membership rate in the world, I think, is still New Zealand. Um, it's very common that when people want to join NGOs and and, and and volunteer groups, it's very commonly environmental sustain, sustainability rated. So I think it's related. So I think it's common, it's connected that in Japan, you know, the, the lack of volunteerism is also connected to sort of apathy, I think, about that sort of thing. Like the information is not, that would normally in other countries be shared through those groups really isn't. People just watch their variety shows on TV. And I think, I, I guess I could maybe understand the negativity, at least to the perspective that you know uh, it's a major source of stress like the garbage separation and stuff like that so the idea of having to do more than that or when it comes up in the news that the environment minister says that we can't have um plastic forks with our bentos anymore we have to pay for you know what the, the paying 2 yen for the for the plastic bags in convenience stores a big initiative that Suga supported that you know that that Koizumi wanted to do um as has happened everywhere around the world that it's been rolled out. Of course, people just hate it and complain about it. And Maybe it, it generates a little bit of a negative and a kind of a bit of a, an, a nannying perception, but it's a, it's, it's a worthwhile thing. But but again, you only have the superficial level of engagement because there's just this uh, societal level. You know, if you get them to follow it as a ritual or as a societal rule, it'll it'll work. But people just, you know, are, are not engaged in these other ways. And yeah, plenty of room to grow. But um. Yeah, and really I surprising think, that it came out that I way. think
0: what we saw with the Japan uh, plastic bag ban and then the charging at convenience stores was very positive, right? We saw that a lot of people, of course, complain in the beginning and yeah. then accept it and adopt it and and it becomes the norm and they get used to it. So yeah. that it just shows it's another example that we need that top-down policy for the better, as well as people making an effort from the bottom, but we also need companies to be engaged. And I think this goes back to the idea, why is all the pressure and all the responsibility put on the end user, put on the consumer? Why not the the company that's selling you the package that you can't recycle? right so a lot of movement is is happening right now uh in america some states are making the companies take responsibility for what happens to their packaging after use right and so there is positive change and happening around the world in mm-hmm. terms of this i i interviewed um someone from terracycle loop Uh, They're just launching the reusable packaging system with Eon Mall now in Japan. So there is more ideas about reusable packaging and less uh, single-use packaging. So the, the awareness is happening, but it needs to come from the top, from policy. It needs to come from companies. And then people get used to it, right?
1: It's starting slowly, but there are some great documentaries around. uh, Increasing numbers of them going around. I think it's been known for a long time, but it's now getting really mainstream understood that honestly, the the recycling fad and during the eighties when I was a kid, there was this huge like really positive you know um, recycling fad that was promoted by Coca Cola and by all the sort of big drinks companies and so on. And it's now people have looked back at it and they recognize oh that was a scam (laughs) that was the drinks companies afraid of being forced to do something and suddenly running this very successful probably one of the most successful pr campaigns ever of of, of flipping it around and and selling it as a sort of positive social responsibility that still is so ingrained i mean this is where people are still fighting over garbage separation in japan over over the results of this campaign in the 80s by Coke. but it was really all connected to them, you know, not wanting to have to increase their costs by changing their packaging or, or having to collect the, you know, the containers or improve their behavior. Um, and everyone bought into it, you know, and it still really, really shapes. It's really hard to undo. The idea of being against recycling or saying that it's sort of cynical it's really hard. Right? I mean, the whole idea that the, the right. triangle, the four R's and, you know, recycling is like the, the last thing, you know, you're supposed to well, not get to that point. And recycling yet, that became, is such a better. big
0: lie that everybody still believes in Japan, you know, that less, less than 20% of all those pep bottles are actually recycled but even at the olympics they no. made a big deal about the podiums being from recycled plastic uh you see uh, different products in the supermarket and it says recycled plastic or recycled paper but it doesn't say how much because oh a very small percentage is actually recycled and the recycle process has more pollution as a part of the recycle process. So we know it's so much better to reuse, but that mentality that recycling is good and everybody doing that majime, really good sorting of all the trash and doing it so well And then it really, it's not as much meaning as they thought. It's frustrating, right?
1: It's coming to a head because all of the pretending to recycle when it was really getting shipped to China and Indonesia or put in landfills, even Indonesia and China can't can't take anymore. (laughs) Everyone's filled up. So now it's coming home to roost that, you know, not not doing this properly. And this is why people are now paying more attention and starting to take it more seriously. Although it's the result really of a scam 30 years ago. Um, So... It's improving. Uh, I, again, I'm always an optimist. Things are baby steps. It's always getting better. But yeah, that that we're a long way off on that. Um, yeah. But I'll also say on these corporate social responsibility reports, as someone who used to write them. Um, look, the people who are involved in them are genuinely sincere, and I, I think companies are looking for, you know, what are the what are the things we should do, and often they come around asking, they go around to environmental consultants, and they say, hey, look, you know, we want to, you know, improve, our, you know, what what can we do, what should we do, and they try to do it, and there are lots of great things happening right now with companies like uh, doing these renewable energy um, deals and so on, trying to make sure that their products are being backed with, you know, and, and building, you know, sort of uh, the those sorts of things, and I agree. There's there's tons more that they can do, and it does look like greenwashing. There's there's tons of greenwashing happening, but you know, um, I, I think there are a lot of sincere people trying to do good things, and but it is surprising that those results came out like that. It does suggest maybe the marketing is continuing to lead.
0: <laughs> yeah. So it, I I think one of the the key takeaways um, from the report is he's saying businesses have to be more honest and transparent, and that's how you get customer loyalty. And I think that's a part of what you were talking about with CSR. Yeah. CSR, uh, showing what your company is doing to help charities or your own staff or mm. uh, reducing your impact on the environment, it's all really important to have that data. De- data out there Mm -hmm. and let the customer see it i mean that's the first step now bringing back to our socks i did some research (laughs) on family mart we're doing a giveaway if anybody wants to enter our giveaway you have five more minutes to write socks in the comments and y'all put your name in (laughs) But I was researching Family Mart, and uh, they are trying to get solar panels on more than 2,000 of their convenience stores around Japan. They are trying to install electric vehicle chargers at their convenience stores. Wow. They are trying to do different things. And how did I find that out? It was a CSR report on their website. So it it works, right?
1: And, you know, those CSR reports, I mean… Um particularly among top companies like Family Mart, like those get reviewed by the company president and they become uh, a stimulus for, hey, our CSR report sucks. You know, all we're doing is uh, you know, printing on both sides of the A4 paper and you know, we need we need better things. A- and then you'll get and this becomes the, oh, you know, the company president says, How can, you know, how can I show my face at the next dinner party? Ah uh, what can we do? And you know it actually does stimulate then you go and hire environmental consultants and they say, hey, you have all of these you have all this real estate and all these great locations. why not put EV car charges in front of them? And they do the math and you know, yeah, it, it can it improves things it increases accountability although of course yeah they have to be accountable for making sure that what they're saying isn't greenwashing but I think there's a lot of sincere people out there involved in trying to make things better uh, in this sort of way that is cool I mean this is why convenience stores are just so awesome it's amazing that you know the model hasn't spread beyond Japan like yeah, and you know, um, and this is this is partly why the socks. It's because, it's because it's partly because honestly, I mean, this is this is clever branding. Family Mutt is just awesome, and you know, so it's kind of fun to have their socks. Honestly, I would have trouble wanting to get like a. a And what would be the equivalent in America? And would you buy their socks? You know, would you get a... (laughs) Probably not, right? And 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 this is
0: another thing about convenience stores in Japan. They are a lifeline to a lot of small communities that do not have a supermarket, right? Um, That they're they're much more than just a convenience store. I can't imagine a convenience store in America selling socks or underwear. But to be honest, it's useful and it's something people want and need. So, yeah, I'm putting... I'm assholes. putting atomic tom. Yep. You're in there. Say Clark Sock, gun. You you're in the there. Uh, dude Jericho. You're in there. Yeah. Anybody else? Final minute before I I pick some lucky people. <laughs> uh, PB, not asking for the giveaway. Okay. But what yeah, is unusual sock remember material? The, the
1: point about the socks, it's not about making sure they're recycled. It's reusing them and, and continuing to you know use them for as long as possible. And when yes. they can't be worn anymore, figuring out a clever way to reuse them after that. So, you know, yes. maybe armbands, maybe, maybe make them into a headband or something like that when you can't put them on your feet anymore. Just using them until they absolutely uh, are falling apart and then will naturally uh, decompose. Yeah.
0: What's the longest you've used any item of clothing? I think oh. I have socks from 20 years ago. Easy. I, I have clothes that I've worn for over 20 years. I mean, that's the idea. Use it as long as you can. Yeah. If it's still good and you don't want to pass it on to a secondhand shop, buy your things from secondhand shops maybe not socks or underwear but uh, other things
1: yeah 60 seconds (laughs) is not long enough to talk about the scourge of fast fashion but you know clothes you know uh it's become this thing that you can they're so cheap and that one i love Uniqlo, but they're they're fostering this idea that you can just toss them out like after six months and buy more and you know that's not good that's it's not good behavior so you know
0: yeah. Okay, it is time. It is time for the draw, for the giveaway. Now oh. to make this collaborative, because it's Hiko and I. Hiko, I'm going to keep rummaging through the pieces of, of paper with the names on. And you say stop. Okay. And I will choose the paper that you say stop right. on. Ready? Okay. Ready? Stop. Stop. First name is... What is that? I can't read my own <laughs> writing. Sorry. Clark Gun 72. You have one.
1: Clank gun 72. I see.
0: Uh-huh. There you go. There's a there first
1: week. It not be a joke. It's not. You got socks. No,
0: okay. you gotta DM me with your address uh, later and find out. Alright? Do it again, Hiko.
1: Yeah, ready. Stop. Stop! Fingers on one. Here
0: we go, here we go. Jude, Jude. Hey Jude. Hey Jude, you have won. you oh, so. No, my, my cat is about to go. This Christmas ever. And end it all. All right, yeah. Best Christmas before Christmas. All right, we got one more winner.
1: Okay, one more. Are you ready? Yeah. Ready. Stop.
0: Okay. Atomic Tom!
1: Atomic Tom. There we go. Lucky
0: winner number three. So we have Atomic Tom, Jude, and Clark Gun72. So you guys get in touch with me, DM me your name and address, and I will send them out. Very exciting. Yeah. Thank you so much.
1: Yeah, this is very (laughs) cool. That's a that's a great idea for the show. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, something very useful that I hope people will enjoy and wear with pride (laughs) for a long time.
1: (laughs) Yeah, very, very good. They won't be be reused or recycled. They'll be new, but you should should think, uh, you should use them environmentally responsibly. Yes,
0: yeah. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, Hiko. Great discussion as usual. Everybody have a great time over the weekend. It's now big weekend time. Hopefully you've got some plans. Hiko, you? Anything I exciting?
1: Do. I have no plans. I, 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 I am living a quiet life, but uh, yeah. I'm enjoying the lovely weather right now. I'll probably go for a run.
0: Oh, nice. Yeah, I was going to do some long walks. I'm going to try to hit my uh, 21,000 steps for the Tell step-up wow. challenge sometime this weekend, if it's yeah. good weather. Looks like it might be, yeah? Yeah. All right, so. everyone. Take care. See you next time. Thanks, Hiko. See ya. Bye.